Well, we are so glad to be here. My wife and my four kids were here uh, last night and the first service. And so she grew up here at Church on the Rock. Come on with Pastor Mike and Miss Sharon. That was back when Pastor Mike had hair, you know. And so uh, I remember the first time I met Pastor Mike, he was like, I play football. I was like, I do stuff too, you know. Uh, but, but no, seriously, uh, we love it. Uh, we are thriving in Rogers. You may not have known, but a little over two years, uh, you guys prayed over us. And we began a work there in Rogers, Arkansas. And I just got a text from my team today. And great service. In our first service, we had four salvations. Come on. That's good. That's good. And so... Uh, we're excited about what God is doing there. If you know anybody in Rogers, Arkansas, Bentonville area, and they need to be at church, maybe they've transitioned there and don't have a church, talk to them about the house. That is the name of our church, and it is welcometothehouse.com. Come on, shameless plug. Uh, welcometothehouse.com, and they can check us out there. And just so glad. We, I know we have some people here that... Uh, have been supporting us and helping us in our ministry. And we just want you to know that we love you and that we're so glad that y'all are here with us. Well, um, I'm excited to share the word with you. And, and I believe that you're here not by accident, that, that God has a word for you. Now, let me just tell you this. Um, primarily, I've been doing ministry for about 20, 25 years. And so I did a lot of youth ministry. And so, you know, it, I'm going to do my best not to be boring if you do your best not to look boring. You know what I'm saying? And so we're going to have church. It's going to be fun. But, you know, I, I, I came to make sure that um, God is able, if you allow him, to be able to usher and move you to a next level, to a next place. Come on. And you know what? Sometimes we need to be reminded that things that have withered away in our life, maybe a, a, a calling, maybe a responsibility, maybe adversity or setbacks have hit us. And you know what? We've, we've kind of disengaged from life. And let me just tell you that we serve a God who knows how to take impossible things and turn them around. And make them possible. You know, a lot of times we live in the category of possible and impossible. And if we're not careful, we'll abandon the dream in our heart because of adversity. And that adversity turns into automatic responses. And, and sometimes it's very easy for us to get negative. Come on. It's easy for us to get critical. And, and the older we get, sometimes we realize that, you know what? Everything didn't work out exactly like I planned it. Come on. And I think it's important for us to understand that God is not against us, but that God is for us. And he knows how to change adversity and change it to triumph. You know, for, for me, and I'll get into what I'm going to talk about for in just a second, but I'm a, I'm a living example of this. I was adopted from a foster home. My parents got divorced. I had uh, ADHD. I remember when my parents, come on, ADHD, hyperactivity, come on. I was rocking Ritalin when people were like, what, you need something, you know. And, 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 and the reality is when, when you commit to allow God to continually touch the broken places of your life, he'll do it. 
He'll do it because God is a helper. He's a he is strength when you're weak. God is a healer and a restorer. In fact, in Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I love the fact that God's hand is strong enough to hold us when, when we can't hold ourselves. You know, there, you will find yourself in life, no matter who you are or what you claim, there will be moments when you cannot stand yourself. And you'll need someone to uphold you. And here's the deal, that is when your theology and your doctrine will really be worked out because you will find out in the middle of it, who do I think God is? In the middle of this moment, who is God? And the reality is that God is for us. I love the fact that God knows that we're prone to fear, discouragement, and adversity. And yet he's holding us and helping us. And he's faithful to be there. The Bible says a present help. Listen, as we look at this, I, I, we're going to spend some time in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And I don't know if this is your first time back at church. Maybe you haven't been to church in many, many years. Maybe you've never been to church. And can I tell you that today you're the most courageous people that I know. Because it's very hard to walk into church. You have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know who you're going to talk to. And you know what? We think that church is a very, very safe place. But a lot of times, a lot of times church is very scary. And for you to come here, I believe that you're not here by accident, that God has something for you. As we look at this passage, Jesus and the stories of Jesus are starting to go viral. You understand there is no internet, there's no social media, but the work that Jesus is doing is starting to 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 go out through um, the cities and the towns and people are beginning to talk about who Jesus is and they want to know who he is. Some say he's this, some say he's that. No one kind of really can lock in on who Jesus is. They want to know if he's the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And the reality is there are a lot of people who interpret who Jesus is differently. And, and they interpret Jesus through the lens of the motive of their heart. And we can see many times in Scripture, the government in that day saw Jesus as a conqueror. And they wanted to make sure that he didn't come to power. The religious saw Jesus as a threat. Some of, the, some of those who followed Jesus saw him as a teacher. Others, his disciples, saw him as a prophet. But you know what? The needy saw Jesus as a friend. A friend, someone who cares, someone who has empathy, someone who has compassion for them and didn't marginalize them or ostracize them because of the need or the adversity in their life. Maybe you're here today and there's a need in your life. And come on, I know how it is. Sometimes we don't mean to, but it's very easy for us to play church. You know, get your hair looking good, get everything looking good, wear that nice little dress, you know, get your shirt ironed and pressed. And we come and we do church, but the reality is internally there is some broken things going on, some, some mindsets that need to be adjusted because... As we talk today, my assignment is we will see what happens when God is able to intervene in a need and what was once withered now becomes strong. 
And see, here's the thing. The, the, I love this story because we will read it, but, but my, my assignment today is stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. Mark chapter 3, verse 1, verse 6. Let's look at this. And he, Jesus, entered the synagogue again. And a man was there with a withered hand. And so he watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. They were watching him. The Pharisees of that day were watching. And come on, they were critical. Critical. Now, I know that nobody ever goes to church and it's critical. Come on, I know none of us ever, you know what I'm saying, maybe in other places, other cities, but not, not here, you know. It's very easy for us to be critical. And look at this. It says that they were, so they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath and so that they might accuse him. Let me just give you a little context here. But the, the Jewish people were so involved in making the Sabbath a part of their life. Do you know there were two times uh, that the nation of, of Jerusalem, the, the, the Jewish people would not fight when people were coming to attack them? If it was on the Sabbath, two times they got overrun because the, the king that was coming against them, one was a Roman king, and he knew that if he attacked the Jewish people on the Sabbath, they wouldn't fight back. Is that crazy? Come on, you come into my house, Sabbath or not. I got something waiting for you, baby. You know what I mean? Just, I mean the, the reality, listen, I'll take off Monday, you know, but, but listen, listen. Some of y'all don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you. Look at this. And he said to the man with a withered hand, step forward. And he said to him, is it lawful? He was talking to the, 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 the Pharisees at that time. He said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. Man. And when he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored and whole as the other. When the Pharisees, then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Hedonians against him how they might destroy him. I don't know about you, but... Man, this is a kind of a, this is like a drama moment, you know what I mean? In church, we got one person who is needy and willing and broken, and we got the other ones who are critics. Come on, I don't know if you can see this, but some people in church are a voice, and some people are a vice. Come on, some people are coaches, and some people are critics. Some people want to see God move in people's lives and other people want to judge the motive and the movement and why. I don't know about this. I like some of the church. I like it, but I don't know why we have to talk about money all the time. I know, that, I know you're laughing because you're like, that, that's the, the other church, right? You know, I, I, see, be, be, be careful because here's the, there is... Two distinctions. There's two different motives happening here. And one is wanting to receive and the other one is wanting to judge. And I think that if we look at this, 
we will see that God wants us as followers to always be in a position where we stretch out our hand and we step forward. Can I, can I submit this to you? That discipleship is not a program, it's a lifestyle. You don't, oh, I'm, I'm, I love it when I talk to people and they're like, oh, yes, I'm being discipled. It's a three-week curriculum. Okay, well, what are you doing after that? Oh, well, I take a break for about five years. You know, it's like the discipleship is like you continue in discipleship. I don't know about you, but when I'm not in this, I go back to who I used to be. Does that make sense? I think a little fleshly. My kids uh, frustrate me a little quicker. My wife, her responses when I'm in this and I'm full of it. Not full of that, just full of this. Come on. When I'm then guess what? My responses are a whole lot better than if I shelf this and I have my theology but no practice. Okay? A lot of us, we have great theology, but if you don't practice it, and here is the thing that Jesus was trying to show the the people in the room, is that you've got some theology, but you've missed it. In other words, you've got the system, but you've missed the whole stories. The story is that God is compassionate. He has empathy. And so God never set up a day for you to ignore people. God set up a day so that he would connect with you to refill you so that you could go minister to, to people. To people. As we look at this, there is a moment happening. So let's, comp- let's contemplate the complexity of this text and this moment. The tradition and the transformer are about to collide. The religious and the righteous king are about to have a moment. And Jesus is walking into a room with critics, fake news, and hard hearts in the church. In the church. Where some were only there to judge the actions. Well, you know, the pastor didn't say all right. Well, we've been in that church for six months, and you know what? He says hi to everybody else. I know that's not y'all. I know, I I know, I know. That's why we can use this example, because it's not us. My kids have been going to that youth group for three years. And you know, that that new kid, what's his name? They don't even have kids, and they're trying to tell us how to be parents. It's amazing how quickly... We become critics. And here's the deal. It changes what you get to experience when you meet with a Savior. It changes what you get to experience. Jesus didn't go to the synagogue to get his ministry growing. He wasn't trying to network, hand out business cards. Jesus wasn't there to get in conflict. And he wasn't there just because of the tradition. He was there and he had a concept in ministry. And I want to talk about four thoughts that Jesus had about ministry because we can see in the moment where drama begins to happen, what comes out is what Jesus values. And what Jesus values is people. What Jesus values is people. And how many of us still know that God is a healer? Come on, God is still in the business of restoring dead areas of our life. And no matter who you are, how long you've been in church, there is new freedoms for you to walk in, new things for you to overcome. I would submit to you today 
that if there is something withered in your life, that you step forward, reach out your hand, and get it back. Come on, is your hope, is your faith, is your confidence, your confidence in church, your confidence in people, because of some things that have happened over the last couple years of your life. Can I tell you, hang tight, because God is a help to those in need. Come on, somebody. Today, I want to give you four ways that Jesus ministers to people. Four ways that Jesus ministers to people. The first is Jesus sees the opportunity. Jesus sees the opportunity. Come on, church. When you came to church today, when you go through your life, life is not about what you can acquire. Listen, it's okay to have stuff, but it's not okay for stuff to have you. It's okay to have stuff. This is not a poverty gospel. The reality is that it's okay. The Bible says, faithful in the little, ruler over much. The Bible talks about us being wise with what he's given us so that we can increase. God gave Adam and Eve the garden and he said, tend it and keep it. In other words, I'm going to put you in an area. I'm going to put you in an area where you can grow and I expect you, look at me, to expand it. God is into expansion. But the reality is this. Many times we get focused on, on, on the process of, of getting and we forget about the opportunities that God sets us up for in the process. God doesn't care what you do and what you have and, 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 and all of that. That, that. That's so trivial. He cares what you do with it. He cares what you do with it. And can I tell you this, that this man, Jesus says, step forward. But we see clearly that Jesus was the first one making the step. Jesus was the first one making the offer. In fact, in John chapter 15, verse 16, it says that you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Can I tell you that there's a difference between faithful and fruitful? Look, I'm going to let you sit on that for a second. Faithful, come on. I understand that God wants us faithful. But now I think in our culture we have marginalized and we have redefined what that means. And so we think faithful is showing up. And so can I, can I, can I break some term down for you? I suggest this, that God is not looking for you to show up. He is looking for you to produce. There's a difference between faithful and fruitful. And are you fruitful? In other words, is God moving through you and using all that you've acquired so that you can produce much fruit? Look at this. That your fruit should remain. In other words, listen. Who is after you? Because we know that life is temporary. Who is after you? What are you putting in the ground? What seeds are you sowing today for tomorrow, for your legacy to live on beyond this moment? And can I tell you this? That God has gone to you and plucked you out. You didn't come here today just because you wanted another gold star of attendance. Maybe you were brought up in church, but I believe that some of you, here's what I'm saying, is that the Bible tells us that he even leads us from behind. 
Has, have you ever had a moment where someone came into your mind or you thought I need to call them or I need to encourage them? Have, has something ever come into your mind as you're driving or thinking or mowing the lawn, praying, where all of a sudden you're like, I need to reach out to this person? Don't think for a second that was just you. God made a step toward you so that you would produce much fruit. So that you would take this, because here's the deal, it changes your life. It changes your life. You would remain and bear much fruit that whenever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. Every person here has a story. Some in here are hurting and frustrated because they're not functioning in the fullness of their capacity. Jesus was headed to church, a safe place. I don't know about you, but I like this guy. I like this guy who is with the withered hand. I like him because here's the deal. He could have used his issue to excuse him from the presence. He could have used his issue to say, I'm not going to the sanctuary. I'm not going there. But yet he was in a place. Come on. There is something about being faithful and being committed, connecting. Because here's the thing. I don't know when your day is, but I'm telling you, there's a lot to be said about being in the right place. Come on, marriages. It's very easy, really quick to be in the wrong place. All of a sudden, you're on Facebook and then you connect with that one girl from high school. And before you know it, wrong place. There's something to be said about a right place and a wrong place. And listen, we're not talking about the law and we're not talking about grace. We're talking about placement. And sometimes we try to justify our place and what you need to know is that place will keep you broken. There are some places that will unlock more healing in your life and there are some places that will not. God has a plan for your life. And Jesus sees the opportunity. There are two different mentalities. One man is in need with a withered hand and the other are in the room criticizing. Can I tell you, be careful. Be careful that you don't become the critic. Be careful that you don't see all the injustices of the church and you forget the power of who we proclaim. Because the reality is this. We are all jacked. We all have fallen short. My Bible says we all have messed up. We all have parts that are withered. We all have to be reminded to step out. We all have to be reminded. Listen, as a pastor, I'm not gifted. I'm gifted to communicate this, but I'm not gifted to live it. I have to do exactly what you have to do. I have to control my thought life. I have to get into the Word. I have to pray. I have to spend time in order to do that. Come on. Does this make sense? Don't ever put someone because they preach well on a pedestal. The reality is we are all being transformed in the likeness of Christ. And we're all doing it together. We're all doing it together. See the opportunity. I, 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 it was so heart, it was heart-wrenching to watch all the things happening in Charlottesville. But here's the thing. We can get on Facebook, we can blow up and get mad and be critics, or we can see an opportunity. And it is my hope that the churches in that area see an opportunity because when the darkness gets darker, the light gets lighter, baby. And here's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that people come together, churches come together that wouldn't normally come together, and we're going to begin to pray. And here's the deal. If you're so focused on what you don't like, then you'll miss the opportunities in your life.
When you go out to eat here in about 20 minutes, there'll be an opportunity. Come on. I know that that waitress did not wake up today. How can I ruin their life? When they got out of bed this morning, they were like, I want to mix my, on my fifth order. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to mess up the order. I'm going to take a really long time. They're going to ask for sweet tea. I'm not going to give them it. You know, I mean, they, they didn't. It's very easy for us to miss the opportunity because we're in the wrong mentality. Jesus said, see the opportunity. Who is here that needs to see an opportunity? Maybe you're the next life group leader. Maybe you've been thinking about being a life group leader. Maybe you just want to come and help. Maybe you want to go through the connect class. Maybe you need to take a step. I love the fact that before Jesus said stretch out your hand, he said step forward. Some of us, it's time for you to step forward and see the opportunities that God has given you. The second one is Jesus calls to the needy. The second is Jesus calls to the needy. I'm sure that this man felt obscure and significant. You know, there they all are, all of the, the who's who, the Pharisees with their robes looking good, looking fresh. And there he is in the back, withered, different, broken. And it's very easy for you to come into church and think that I'm not like all of those people. And come on, we, we highlight people. We, we stalk them on Facebook and Instagram and we see all of their social media and they're, oh, oh, they're really happy. I'm stuck with you. <laughs> and so what we do is we compare ourselves with each other. And the Bible says don't compare. In other words, run in your own lane. Stop being frustrated about what you don't have or what you weren't given. And just connect. Be the person that God's called you to be. I like this guy because his issue didn't keep him away. And when Jesus had a word for him and said, I want to do something in your life, he didn't excuse it. Well, you don't know my past. Well, you don't know. I've, you don't think I've tried to reach out my hand before? I've tried. I've, I've gone. I've, I've done therapy. I've, I've tried to do this. When Jesus said, step forward, he may have had a little hope that Jesus was going to do something. And some of you, all you need today it's just that much hope. When we're talking about your kids in high school, and maybe they're acting in a way that hurts your heart. Maybe the one thing missing, come on, you've been a critic. Now we need to have some hope. Hope that a moment, hoping that a friend begin to pray and hope that, come on, in this moment, just like you stepped forward, God can have a voice in their life and they can step forward. Church, don't lose your hope. Don't lose your hope. When Jesus calls to you, come on, it's the easiest, hardest thing you've ever done. It's the easiest, hardest thing you've ever done. It's hardest because you have to deal with what you thought was impossible. I am sitting here preaching to, to hundreds of people. And if you even knew who I was in junior high or high school, if you knew what the teacher said about me, I got voted in high school most likely to be incarcerated. Come on, I was king and queen of nothing. 
But here's the deal. When Jesus begins to call to you and you step forward and stretch out your hand, you'll have to deal with all of the excuses and all the things that have been limiting your potential. God's got something for you. He calls to the needy. You know, as God begins to call to you, I know that there's areas that don't look perfect. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. The reality is when we bring our stuff into the light, that's when God can touch it. And when we hide it in darkness or we try to think that if I say anything, guess what? You're going to stay withered. And here's the thing. Is maybe the thing that started out really small affects the whole body. See, the Bible is very clear that sin is pleasurable for just a season. Every one of you young people, let me tell you something. Don't ever let, let anybody tell you that sin is not fun. It's, it's so fun. People who say, well, you know, sin. No, if, if it wasn't fun, come on. Come on. People wouldn't be doing it. But here's what they forget to tell you. Come on, you see the movies. They show you all the fun. But I want to talk about the part after the credits roll. The reality is that sin will hurt your life. And it will wither your potential. And it will ultimately destroy the thing that God birthed you for. Jesus sees the need. For us, we need to see the need. I remember when I was um, in junior high. And... Uh, my we we my my mom had uh, my mom had some financial difficulties. We lived in low income housing, and uh, man, we were on food stamps. We we had no money. You know what I'm saying? And um, I remember playing on a junior high basketball team, and I didn't have money to eat out after the game. And uh, I had this thing that I would do. I would stay on the bus longer than anybody else. I would sit in the back. I would let everybody go in. And then after I saw the line get about halfway down, I'd go into the bathroom and I'd stay there for a long while till I knew that everybody was almost done eating. Then I would come back and hang out and play and do them just that way nobody was like, hey, why aren't you eating? I didn't have the money. And I, I remember we had about two or three away games and finally the fourth game, we had just finished a tournament and we were getting ready to walk in and I, I walked in just like I always did. Everybody was already eating. And the coach looks at me and says, Sexton, hey, come get your money, get something to eat. I just look at him like, I don't, he goes, no, 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 you left your money right here, go get something to eat. And I walk over there and there's a cup in different, about $10, $15, all change, whatever. And from that moment, for the rest of the season, there was always a cup. See, here's the thing is that when we become so focused on ourselves, we miss the opportunity and we don't see the need. What if God is wanting to start revival by using you? See, the church, when we step forward and we stretch out our hand, what I'm telling you is I'm a product of people loving me and mentoring me when I was broken. And guess what? You know what? Because of their love for me, Katie and I have had at least 15 different young people live with us and be in our home. Our last one, it, he's there right now helping me run service. His name is Devin. I was at a church and he had never been in church before ever in his life. His friend made him come. 
said, I'll buy you food afterwards. He came. One of ten kids. No dad. But guess what? Because someone saw the opportunity in me and someone saw the need in me, I said, you know what? I believe God has a plan for your life. Scholarshiped him to come to a few of our outreaches. Then he moved in with me. Now he's getting married in October. Come on, somebody. Is that good? What could you do if you saw the need? The third thing, real quick, is this. Is Jesus can see the heart. Jesus can see our heart. You know what is amazing to me is that when we look at the story, we think that there's only one person with a withered hand. But the reality is the room is full of withered people where truth isn't working in their life. And the reality is when we look at what withered means, it means dried up, powerless, broken. Come on, we've got to be a church that we don't foster witheredness. But people become free, transformed, and stepping into the God-given purpose that they have. Jesus can see the heart. You know, it's amazing. I don't know if this stuck out to you, but it says this, and they remain silent. Anybody, anybody know about silence? Come on, any married folk, y'all know about silence? My wife teaches me about silence all the time. I said something, come on, I was joking, I was playing, and all of a sudden she, she got silent, and I was like, oh. <laughs> that silence was very loud, you know what I'm saying? We have, we have four kids, and I'll be joking and playing, and all of a sudden they'll get silent, and I'll know, oh, man, I guess that was too far, baby, I'm sorry. We forgive me, I'm sorry, because that silence was loud. Come on, when I ask my kids to do something, and they're silent, come Got that still silent. And I'm like, hold up, man. Did you hear me? I will come down. I'm not even playing. Listen, I expect a yes, sir, and a hop, too. I'll tell you how that my, my mom was old school. You understand? Listen, I came. Silence communicated their heart. See, Jesus gave them an opportunity to communicate what they were thinking, but instead, they stayed silent. Come on, when the church is silent, people stay broken. When the church is silent, people stay broken. And it's very easy for us to, to think that, and I realize that this is just a building and we are part of the church and there is a universal church and then there is a local church. And I get all that. But here's what happens is when we stay silent in our worship, in our prayer, in our connection to the Lord, then God can't move through us the way he wants to move through us. And what I want to ask you today, sir, is have you been silent? I know you're going to tell me God knows your heart, and he does. <laughs> you can know that, and he knows if it's silent. Is it silent when God directs you? Are you like, yes, sir, I will continue to step, and I will continue to reach out my hand. I will not be silent. I will not be silent. The fourth thing. And the last is this, Jesus teaches us that doing good is always the goal. See, the religious of the day had gotten to the idea that they had a day off from doing good. Can I tell you this? Most people who serve meals to church people 
hate Sundays. Why? Because it's our day off. See, we went, come on, we went to church, and it's my time to connect with God. And so I just came from church connecting with God, so I don't have to be nice to you. It's Sunday, I can tip 6%, baby. Catch me on Monday, I'm a whole lot better. There's never a day off for doing good. You know, I, it's amazing when you think about the, the, the story that the hardness of their heart caused them to leave. A miracle happened. You understand what I'm saying? A miracle. Uh, this man was, <sighs> I mean, you know, he was dribbling with his right hand and left, dribbling with his left. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? How do you leave a great moment with the wrong interpretation? But I see it all the time. They sat in my seat. They know I sit there. I always sit on the fourth row to the left. Well, I just don't know. I just don't know about that church. Come on. I just don't know. How do we leave? Come on, it is my hope that we all leave here encouraged, equipped, overcoming fear, not, not, not held back by the broken things in our life, but we're stepping forward and we're reaching out our hand. And we're stepping forward and we're reaching out our hand. And we're stepping forward and we're reaching out our hand. Don't tell me God has limited you. Maybe, maybe, can I just give you this thought? Have you limited God? in your life and so here's what I'm going to ask you to do I'm going to ask you to stand with us Nick go ahead and begin this worship song come on just stand up with us real quick and we're going to just spend two minutes here with the Lord come on sing this song Nick you give a life. come on right here who's going to remain silent it's time to step forward it's time to step forward stretch out your hand what has God called you to do don't miss your moments don't allow your brokenness to hold you back. Everybody's got issues. Come on, bring those to the Lord. It's your day. Come on, all over this place. I'm talking to you, sir. I'm talking to you, ma'am. Your best is in front of you. that I want to end with. The first is this. There may be a group of you that you know what? It's time for you to step forward. Maybe you need to make a decision for Christ. Maybe, you know what? This is your first time in church and you've never really heard the gospel message. Can I tell you that today is a step forward where he can redeem you of all the brokenness and all of the sin and lies of the enemy and you can be set free and be free indeed. The second is this. Maybe you've just been away from the Lord, and you know what? I just need to, rep I just need to repent. 
Come on. Come on, I just need to repent. I'm not where I need to be. And I just need to say, you know, Lord, I feel you tugging on my heart. I just need to repent. That's the first group. The second is this. You've allowed your issues, come on, to stop you from reaching out your hand. And because of a little addiction and anger and all this thing, listen, God transforms us as we step forward. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. You're not going to get it at the altar. Some character is built, baby. Some things are the steps. And can I tell you this? The more you allow God to use you, listen, the more free you become. You hear what I'm saying? If you're here today and you realize there's an area that you need to step forward in, I need to take a step forward. I've been making excuses. I need to step forward. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. All over this place, I need to make a step forward. Come on, I got to get my life right. I, I'm kind of in a wrong place. I need, I need to step forward. I need to step forward. The second thing is this. You know what? I know God loves me. I love the Lord. I'm saved. But you know what? I have not stretched out my hand. And I've allowed this thing in my life to marginalize my purpose. And I need to get back to doing what God has called me to do. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand. I see you. I see. I, it's time for me to stretch out my hand and not be insecure about my past or what I've done. And I need to take a step. Does that make sense? So I'm going to pray over both of those. If, you have, if you're on the prayer team, come on up here. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do real quick. I know we got to go. Come on, prayer team, come on up. I'm going to pray for both areas. And if you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you when Nick begins to start to sing, that you would get out of your chair and just come meet us right in. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to take attendance. But I think for you to step forward, you got to step forward, and you got to stretch out your hand. Does that make sense? Come on, right here. Nick, begin to sing. If that's you, you raise your hand. Come on, meet us right up here real quick. We're not going to embarrass you. Come on, as a married couple, stretch out your hand. Come on, y'all just come up here. Y'all come on, make room for them. Come on. We come against divorce. Come on. Some people are going to leave here with some hope. Some hope. Some hope. It's time to step forward. It's time to step forward, sir. It's time, ma'am. Come on, stretch out our hand. It's time. It's over for those who need to take a step God I ask you right now God to wash the things that have been holding them back away if you are here and you needed to take a step forward just repeat this after me dear Heavenly Father I open up my heart to you I turn away from a self-led life I turn to the Savior and I ask Jesus to be my God, my Lord, and I follow him in Jesus' name.
If you're here and you're stretching out your hand, let me pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you for all of those that the enemy has been lying to. And Father, I pray that today they would be able to stretch out their hand and know greater is he that is in them than he that's in the world. And my issue doesn't keep me back from serving my king. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.